Why is Jesus called the Lamb of God? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Aaron Armstrong, brand manager of The Gospel Project, and with me, as always, is Brian Dimbozik, our managing editor. So, Brian, today I am uh, I'm pretty psyched about this this passage that we're going to be talking about in our journey through the scriptures and currently our journey through the Gospels, uh, because we are touching on one of my favorite passages, which nice. is uh, it's always great when it's when we get when we hit a personal favorite, isn't it? Yeah, but my problem is I have so many different personal favorites. I I use that way too much. Hey, this is one of my favorite verses, and it's like. Most of them are then my favorite verses, but that just makes me really, you know. Well, if they're all special, none of them are special, Brian. Gosh, I come know. on. But it's okay. Um, you know, because I think the only thing you're allowed to have, have say are all the favorite verses is the Bible. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but legit, legitimately, John chapter one, um, most of John chapter one is probably my favorite um chapter of the bible and this part and this the the last portion of it is is absolutely one of my favorite uh favorite moments in scripture because we are talking about john chapter one's declaration of jesus as the lamb of god and um so for those who are familiar, of course, with the story, and and we expect that a lot of people are who are listening to this, of course, um, this is happening very early in Jesus's ministry. This is likely happening shortly after the baptism and temptation of Jesus, after he has begun his ministry, but it's still in its early stages. And what we see in the passage is we see um, see. John, not the John the Baptist, but John, the writer of the gospel, um, John's gospel, uh, who is one of the disciples, <laughs> of course, as well. We see him. Uh, we see him describing John seeing Jesus walk walking by, and he outright declares. He says, "Look, there is the Lamb of God." Or, depending on um, the the tradition of your translation, saying, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." And it's it's just an amazing moment yep. that's there, and so it's it's really cool to see. And him saying expressly, "This is the one that I told you about." He is the one who um, it says in verse thirty. Uh, after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. And so there is, it is just packed with significance here. This, this whole passage, those last, those last five verses of chapter one. And then um, we're also going to be, we're jumping ahead a little bit too in, uh, in, in John's gospel as well to continue this relationship between John's ministries end and the beginning of Jesus's in earnest. Yeah, John's gospel is so strong. I mean, again, I love all four of them. I have all mm-hmm. these different favorite verses in the Bible. I love all four gospels, but John's is so strong with the imagery he uses. I mean, he comes out of the gate as you're describing so beautifully. 
making these connections back to Genesis 1 and John 1, Jesus being the Word, the Lamb of God, connecting as we're going to talk about here, the, the, his use of seven throughout his gospel. Just I just love his gospel. Yes. Well, and, you know, the, the more I read Scripture and the more that I... Like the longer I am a Christian, one of the things that is always really interesting and kind of entertaining for me personally is is just the fact that um, I tend to be very stubborn, as you know, Brian, and uh, and contrarian by nature. And so, before I started reading, before I was a Christian, when I first started reading the Bible, I was encouraged to read the Gospel of John, and uh, and because that's you know that's where everyone points people to. Yeah, and. And so, of course, being contrarian, I'm like, no, I'm going to go read Mark instead. <laughs> <laughs> because that's just how I roll, um, is, is, uh, is if someone tells me you've got to do it this way, then I don't want to. But uh, <laughs> I'm working on that, maybe. Um, but the longer I, the more I read scripture, the longer I'm a Christian, the more I can see the value in that too, that it's like, this is, there's just so much there, especially when you remember that as John describes himself at the end of the book, that the entire point of this gospel is so that you will believe that he is the Christ and that he is the son of God. Yeah. It's a strong. Yeah. So let's get into it. Let's, let's talk about this lamb of God that we're, we're, we're missioning. Um, yes. Because not only that, but but we're going to see John the Baptist will use two other word pictures here that I think are both worth us spending a couple of minutes and, and making sure it's clear to all the listeners, um, especially for any of us who are teaching this to somebody else in some context. Understanding really what John the Baptist is saying here is so important. So let, let's unpack mm-hmm. Lamb of God a little bit more. Um, right. And again, for people who are familiar with it may feel, all right, this is too, too, you know, it's too on the nose, but let's just, let's just talk about it just for a few minutes, just to be clear in case somebody's not familiar with what John is, is referencing there. So what did he mean? That description of Jesus as the lamb of God, really what he's doing in, in a super overt way is he's pointing to Jesus as, as the sacrifice. And, and so it is a, it's definitely a reference to the, the Passover lamb, um, there very clearly there is that because the lamb itself was meant for um, for the sacrifice yeah. and it was this lamb that was sacrificed to God every every year it was the lamb representing the representing how God had take had passed over um, all of all of the people and death had not visited them. Um, during the during the exit the beginning of the exodus of from Egypt, but it also but I mean you look at this kind of this language that that exists and and you kind of see hints of it farther back as well. I mean you see, um, you see this connection to to a lamb. You also see um, a ram being provided um, to Abraham and Isaac. In, Gen- in Genesis as well, when God tells uh, tells Abraham to sacrifice his son, and and it's one of these these connecting pieces that makes you start to see how that actually makes sense. Yeah, and if you remember, you know, <clears throat> John is addressing the Jews, of course, who were keenly familiar with the sacrificial system uh, because it was is their means of of 
being right with God, we today are not that closely connected. We can kind of parse our thinking from it, but it was right there in the top of their minds. So when John says, here's the Lamb of God, it was, as you said, it was very overt. There, I, there was nothing veiled about it. There was nothing trickery. There was nothing. What does he mean? You know, it would have been apparent. John, it was just like John saying, here's the sacrifice who's come. And uh, and what a great way <laughs> to, of course, introduce Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you mentioned earlier that there were a couple of metaphors because, I mean, of course, we're looking at a couple of we're looking at this this handoff of ministry. And so in this um, in so in John one, we see him refer to Jesus as the Lamb of God. But um, in John chapter three, where things really kind of start wrapping up more fully because at that point, Jesus ministry is in full swing and people are starting to um, starting to leave John's ministry and less people, less new people are coming in as well. And they're all starting to follow Jesus directly. And, um, there, and people come to him and are like, aren't you upset about this? And he's like, no, why would I be upset about this? The, basically the best man is not more important than the groom. Exactly. And, um, is, is the metaphor that he uses. And, and, and it's just this really, really cool moment because he's like, the bride is his. Yeah. The bride's not mine. Um, so I stand, I'm standing by, I'm listening for him and I'm rejoicing greatly exactly. just like a groom's friend does. And so my joy is complete because he's here. Yeah. Um, and, and again, there's another thing that shows up again and again and again. And in multiple gospels is this idea of com- uh, completion of joy. Um, we talked about Anna and Simeon a few weeks back when Jesus was dedicated in the temple. And for them, they had this same kind of this same kind of mindset and language even that um, that they their joy was complete because they got to see the Messiah, the one that they had been waiting for one. And in one of their cases um, that they had been expressly told they would not die until they actually got to see him face to face. Um, And that, and that's just a pretty amazing thing. Um, And then of course, John wraps all this up by saying he must increase, but I must decrease, which we hear so often in so many contexts and sometimes out of context, but that's okay too (laughs) today. Yeah, and, and these two, it goes hand in hand. I mean, all three go together, of course, but these last two, especially the, the best man of the groom and decreasing so that Jesus might increase, really are fused closely together because, oh, you, Aaron, I, I've been a best man in a wedding. Have you ever been a, a best man? No, I really? haven't yet. No, no, no well, apparently I don't have friends. No, apparently um, not. <laughs> um, but I know you've been a groom uh, as a yeah, high horse. And so yes. we know as, a, as a best man, I know when you're up there, yeah, you're closest to the groom. And and you, there are certain uh, functions that you fulfill, you know, holding on to the ring and that kind of stuff. But ultimately, it's not about you. And you know that. everybody's Nobody's looking at you. Nobody cares about you. They're watching the groom and, and the bride. Um, that's where all the attention goes, rightfully so. How how would it be if a best man tried to hog attention at somebody's wedding? The, it, well, I mean, it would honestly be a little bit like Michael Scott in uh, in the wedding in the wedding episode uh, of The Office. See, I, I don't watch It'd The be Office. Bad. 
Well, is, yeah. See, you're well. Again, you're much more holy than I am. I, so. I am. I'm too busy reading the Bible, apparently, and finding new favorite verses. <laughs> it's no, I fun. tried watching The be... Office. I just couldn't get into it. Nah, well, maybe it hit too close to home. But um, anyway, anyway, um, regardless, it would be pretty embarrassing for the for the best man if he yeah. was trying to hog all, all the attention. That would be so be, crass. Yeah. We would look at it and say that's just that's ridiculous. Well, and, and that's John's point. He's saying that how ridiculous would that be? It's even more ridiculous for me to fight for attention of people over Jesus. That it's ludicrous. Mm-hmm. He deserves all the attention. He is the one that you were just saying that we find joy in. He's the promised one we've been we've been longing for. He's the fulfillment of all of this. Why in the world would I care about people following him and not me? They should be doing this, which takes us to the decreasing and increasing. Yeah. John's saying, my ministry was designed to pave the way for him. It was designed to point toward him and help launch his ministry. Now that that's over, of course I'm going to back off into the background so that he can continue to increase. Makes complete sense. And then you tie that first one in the Lamb of God because he's the Lamb of God. He's coming to fulfill that that purpose of being the sacrifice and then raising from the dead for sin. So what John says here is so important and, and beautiful through through these first three chapters of John. Yeah. Yeah. And and of course these all point us to the gospel in in some of the most on the nose ways that that we're ever gonna get whenever we discuss whenever we discuss any passage of scripture because he's outright reminding us of John's fulfillment fulfilling uh, Malachi's prophecy um, of being the one who points to the Messiah. Um, I mean, I I shared that or I read that outright earlier, um, and of course Jesus being the, Jesus being the sacrifice, being the Lamb of God. All of that is all of that is fulfilled in the gospel where he actually did. Sacrifice was sacrificed in our place for our sins. Um, yeah. That he died because he died and took it all for us and from us. So let's think about this passage from a discipleship perspective. So we're you know we're a small group leader. We're in kids ministry, student ministry, whatever. We're um, hanging out with people on Zoom a lot right now. <laughs> exactly. And uh, and fighting our Zoom fatigue. So, what kind of guidance could can we offer for offer anyone who is discipling someone else about this passage? I think the first one. I mean, it's kind of set up on a tee for us. We were just talking about is is this is a good passage to help people consider how readily we defer to Christ. Um, you know, is is John the Baptist posture here of? I gladly decrease so that he might increase. Is do we share that? Do, does that truly course through our veins? Is that truly a a passion and a joy of ours to do? Or as is often the case, I know for me, push against that because we are selfish. We are starved for attention. We want to be the focus. And honestly, we might not be as crass to say this very often and admit it. But the way we live. We'd rather increase, even if it's at Christ's expense. Um, and so this is a great time for us not just to gloss over that and say, man, that's great. Let's put that on a coffee mug and move on what's next in, in our study. 
But to really think about this and say, is does that truth really resonate with how I live or not? And if not, man, what a great opportunity to pray about, consider how can I let God change my heart so that that does resonate in me and through me. Yeah. And at the same time, it's also an opportunity for us to encourage one another uh, to celebrate Christ, what Christ is doing, what he has done, what he's continuing to do um, through how we speak to one another, how we speak to um, speak to other people, how we mm. proclaim the gospel and how we live in light of what he has done. And so this is so something my community group does, and it's something a lot of the them in, in my church do is we do this thing that uh, we f- refer to as honor time. And, um, and it's the cheesiest name in the world, but it's a, but it's a great, great thing because what we do is, is we intentionally take time to point out the evidence of God's grace in someone's life. So what is, what is, what is Christ doing in you? How are you different because of, um, how you're being shaped by and through the gospel? And, and, and it's, it's a really challenging thing to sit through in some ways, yeah. because when someone is speaking these things to you, um, we're not, none of us are good at get, receiving compliments, yeah. <laughs> you know, or, um, or having words of affirmation given to us. We want to deflect those things and you're not allowed to. <laughs> so, um, but that's something that you could try and actually would be a lot of, would, would be I think for you as someone speaking would be a lot of fun. Um, and although it's awkward receiving, um, initially yeah. at least, it is one of those things that it, it is, it's so good for your soul. Yeah, I can see how that would be challenging. It would be hard for me to be in that seat. Well, it's, you know, really because I don't give you any compliments, Brian. No, so. I mean, yeah, because I have so little practice of, of hearing <laughs> compliments and praise. That's true. So. That's, that's okay. That's true. We're gonna we're gonna work on that. My um, my three kids keep me humble. Well, mine do as well, and <laughs> I think that's uh, that's their primary role. You know, aside from aside from giving us hugs. Yes, God God knew what He was doing. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, Brian, I think that's probably a good place for us to wrap up this episode. Um, unless you've got anything else you would want to share. No, that's a good place to end. All right. Well, thank you for chatting. And of course, thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com. Gospel Project.